Hey, I'm Jules. And I'm Megan. And this is Lasting Looks. We take you behind the scenes of pop culture's most iconic looks. Here we go. Mic check, one, two. I like touching my ear and going like this. Like Mariah. All I want for Christmas is you. Oh, wow. Is that, is that how you're going to check the mic this week? Jules, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Oh, you really, really love Christmas, don't you? It's my favorite, Jules. Well, I know you love Christmas, so we couldn't go into the holidays without going into some Christmas costume fun before we wrapped up the year. And we are so excited to talk to Laura Jean Shannon today, who is the costume designer on the Christmas classic Elf. So without further ado, here is Laura Jean Shannon. Hi, LJ. Hi, LJ. You guys are so cute. It's too <laughs> How are you? Oh, my gosh. You guys are so festive. It makes up for my <laughs> lack of festivities. Dude, after hearing about all your crazy things you're working on, I thank you for just being here. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. It's my so pleasure. Much. You guys are so cute. We, um, I don't know. I worked with you on Electric Dreams for about a two or two days, maybe three days, and I have a never forgotten you. You've always had like, you left a good imprint on me with someone that's just so fun to work with. We had amazing conversations and we decided to make a little Christmas episode with Elf. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is Julie. I'm Jules. Hi. Hi, honey. Oh my gosh. What a crazy epic week. I we- told my husband. And I would not have woken up if I hadn't set my alarm. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? No, we, um, we just wrapped for the Christmas hiatus last night, but we were supposed to work today. Our schedule went wild this week. We had a bit of a delay with COVID, you know, so we... Many COVID delays. It's been bonkers. Wow, that's intense, guys. Yeah, no, we had our very first case of COVID this past week, which breaks my heart because um, we've been working since the beginning of August and we've been being really careful and safe, but you know, it's, there's no amount of careful and safe. That's careful and safe enough. Really. Exactly. It can mean Jules and I live together and we also are in our pod together in the costume department. So we feel very secure, but it's still like, there's only so much you can do, I guess. But, but yeah, totally. And, and that's the thing, like my super suits team, we're very contained. You know, we have a building that it's just us. Yeah. So, we're all really responsible and we're like an extended family and we really trust each other, but still, even still, you know, but that's 2020 story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys look like cute little Santa's helpers right now. Thanks. That's what we should be focusing yes, on. Yes. <laughs> let's talk. <out. laughs> Take care of one another, but also stay upbeat. Exactly. That's what we try. We try our best. Yes, we do. We, we laugh a lot, which is fun, but. Yeah. Uh, sorry to get back to it again after I just said, let's not talk about it. But <laughs> I think that it's so important that people learn that lesson of how to, it's okay to be responsible and to like actually accept that we're dealing with something like this right now. And it's also okay to stay upbeat while doing it. Mm-hmm. And one doesn't have to be separate from the other. And I think that it's really, it's great that you guys have each other as a support. And I try to provide that support to my team who provides it to each other. Like we still had our Christmas party, just socially distanced. Yeah. There's ways to still enjoy life. So that's kind of why we did this podcast too, is like we had this idea and we were just trying to do like something light and fun 
and also for people to listen to it and kind of just have like a little bit of escapism for, you know, a little period of time just because it, and like just working on this is making me sane because like so much is going on in the world to have something positive to focus on has been a blessing. Our weekends, we don't do anything. We don't go out. We can't go anywhere. (laughs) So at least we have projects to work on to keep us passionate moving forward. Something to look forward to. We we looked forward to this interview with you all week talking about it, saying, can't wait to see her. Watching movies together, (laughs) taking notes. Yeah. So (laughs) that's very inspirational. And that's, you know, that's sort of how I look at COVID. There's obviously a lot of negative, but, um, but the things that can come from it that can be positive are mm-hmm. the choices that we make on how to deal with it. And you guys have really taken that to the next level that you're like finding a way to exist in the, in that scary place to bring lightness and joy, not only into your own lives where you now have, like you said, like something to focus on that gives you sort of a sense of purpose but mm-hmm. then you extend that out to the world and that's really awesome. And, the, and, and it's people like you and my sister-in-law who's like food banking in Manhattan and, you know, people who are really taking the time and, and hopefully, you know, and I think my team and I have been doing it too. It's like finding ways to be supportive of other people, you know, keeping yourselves like engaged in different ways than before but in some ways, more connected ways. Our society has gotten to a place where, you know, there's this instant gratification thing that everybody's Mm -hmm. so used to. I can get whatever I need, wherever I need to, whenever I need to. And, you know, there's been a loss of actual connection. And Mm -hmm. oddly, having this pandemic, you know, has actually created more connection. You know, I can't tell you how many people are like, oh yeah, my family and I have a weekly Zoom now. You know, some of them hadn't spoken to their siblings in a year. Right. Yeah. All right. So we want to say, how did you get the movie Elf? How did you start working on that? Good question. So I was in Miami with my best friend, Terry, before she was getting married. It was our last hurrah. And I got a call to interview with Jon Favreau and Vince Vaughn for the movie Made, which was Jon Favreau wrote it and it was his directorial debut. And I said to my agent, oh gosh, I'm in Miami. Can I, can I schedule it next week? And she said, no, they want to meet everybody this week. And so my best friend and I literally, because at the time I was living in Cape Cod, I had subletted my apartment in Manhattan. I was taking a six month hiatus to go work as a cook in a restaurant on the <laughs> beach in Provincetown. And, uh, and so we cobbled together from our like vacation clothes, <laughs> an outfit <laughs> that I could wear to this interview with Fabs. And I put my, my portfolio was blessedly at my brother's house in New York city. And so I shoved my portfolio in my beach bag (laughs) weird cobbled together summer outfit in the middle of the winter in Manhattan and went and met with Vince and, and John. And, um, and there's some really funny stories about that interview and the name that they called me because they couldn't remember my name. Said in the interview. Um, but anyways, I made enough of an impression in my wonky get up and sand, you know, pouring out of my bag John, <laughs> um, that I was hired for Made. And Made was an awesome project because it was John's first directing, um, you know, project. He also started it. Um, there was a food component in it and, and, and that was fun. Cause I was, I helped him learn how to make puttanesca pasta. I was always his like, you know, like there's always food in all of our movies. 
And I was always the person that like helped with the food stuff until That's we did fun. chef. And then, of course he got Roy Choi. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so after we loved, you know, we loved working together. We became friends, you know, on, it, it was kind of a great movie to start working with him on, on made because of him being in it and then also directing it and then also having written it. There was a very tight knit group of us making it because it was an independent film in New York city. It was very like, you know, run and gun, um, and so he really relied heavily on that small group of us to go outside the box. So I never just felt like the costume designer I made. I felt like he really valued my opinion. And um, Peter Billingsley, who was our producer on that, and I were always behind the monitor together. And so there was a lot of like asking of my opinion of how the take went. And, and, and it was just like a really great collaborative relationship. So when Elf nice. came along, John gave me a call and said, hey, listen, I'm doing this Christmas movie. And I was like, well, that sounds like fun. And I like kind of chicken scratched some like uh, basic ideas based upon the references that John gave me as inspiration, um, which were all kind of like evocative things from our childhood. And and that's something that I love working with John because he and I are very similar in age, very similar in like our socioeconomic, like where we grew up. And so, and also we're geeks. So we have a lot, <laughs> a base of reference. That's just, there's a lot of conversations between John and I that go something like this, John, you know, the thing and the thing, me. Oh yeah, the thing. <laughs> like, what are you guys talking about? Oh my God. A match made in heaven. Yeah. That's so great. When you work with someone like that, where you're just like, I, I, we kind of have that sometimes where you're just like on the same wavelength, like you just understand each other. And that makes such a great working relationship. Easy and fun. Which comes out, your work's amazing. So it shows through how you have a good time doing it too. Like, Like, thank you for saying that. Cause I totally agree. I think that you have to have fun doing what you do because it translates and we had so much fun making Elf. And so when John called me and I did my little chicken scratch and then I met with the producers and him and they were all like, great. So that's how I got Elf is from my relationship with John and um, and are already having that collaborative, you know, kind of connection. Um, and then, you know, he said, listen, I want to make a Christmas classic. And, and we had already made this sort of cult classic film that made did great. And this was a very strange choice to go from made to elf from the outside perspective. But from the inside perspective, it was actually a really smart choice because John is brilliant and he really has this great ability to tap into the, um, the greater consciousness of like humanity and a cross generational approach, you know, where everything that he writes and directs, He knows how to write a joke or improvise a joke in the moment that feels right. That's going to actually trigger a three-year-old and an 83-year-old and everybody in between. So true. Yeah. So that's, you know, kind of the magic. And, And like you said a moment ago, when you're having fun and you're in the moment and you're free in that ability to improvise and, you know, and just really catch that magic in a bottle Mm -hmm. when you see it. He's really good at that. Yeah. It does. It does. Because it, it is a Christmas classic. And it's, I mean, I watch that movie 
many times a year, even when it's not Christmas. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I've actually watched it this year, like an embarrassing amount of times <laughs> it's, it's on TV. It's on AMC. And it's like, it's what now it's one of those things too. Christmas time. Like if it comes on, I'm like, I'm just going to turn it on no matter what point it is in the movie. I'm like, I'm just going to watch it. And then like you get sucked in and then you just finish the whole thing. So I've watched it's, it probably like eight times this year. That's really, I, I love that. I, you know, it's funny because I'm a Trekkie. And I always joke that Star Trek is the family that's traveled with me everywhere I've been. I mean, I've watched it in Korea. I've watched it in Japan. I've watched it in Australia. I mean, I, you name it. I've watched Star Trek in that country. And I've been to many places. <laughs> and Elf, actually, it's funny that you said that the way you did just then. Because it's a similar thing. There's like a comfort that comes. Yes, with- that's the word mm-hmm. I was going to use. Comfort. It's yeah. And- it's like you feel with your family, right? Yeah, yeah. and yes. I think there's such a like interesting thing. I don't know what it is, but you know, there's TV shows like that too. We, we talked about Friends that has that comfort aspect to it, and I just think it's so interesting when you create something. It goes beyond just you know someone's favorite movie. It mm-hmm. serves a purpose of comfort for people, yes. and I think that's yeah. incredible and special. Oh yeah, yeah, people look forward to it, and like, yeah. You know- say happy elf season you know oh yeah (laughs) you know nailed it it is it's elf season they start playing it before thanksgiving and oh yeah that's great that you said that yeah because i can completely relate to that feeling that it provides you that thing where it's like oh man i gotta pack i hate packing well maybe if i turn on elf it won't be so bad yeah 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 and him and that and an adult in that elf costume like will ferrell in that with the yellow hilarious it's perfect it, it is, is perfect it's just Will's the best but so one of my favorite moments creating that costume with will was um we had to have a we had to have an undergarment fitting because we had you know a six uh-huh. foot tall man in tights with a period construction cutaway coat 50 feet high and a screen in everybody's faces so <laughs> we had to make Sure that we wrangled what was inside the tights in a way that was presentable yeah. on a screen. So we literally had this undergarment fitting and my team and I went out and got like everything you could possibly imagine that he could wear under tights that might work. And we got this one thing in particular, it was called the Andiamo. Um, <laughs> and it was a pair of under padded underwear that you wear when you're bike riding from this Italian biking company. I think we may, might have even like special ordered it. And, so, and Will's like, oh, Andiamo. <laughs> like the funniest, sweetest, as on as he is on screen. He's so like gentle, spirited behind the scenes. He's like mm-hmm. actually kind of quiet. And like, I don't want to say reserved because he's not, he's like, he's very warm and effusive and it's very comfortable to be with him, but he's not like, you know, behind the scenes, he's, he's, he's just a a guy, you know, that is fun to hang out with. But in that fitting, when he saw the Andiamo, he, we started, of course, all calling it the Andiamo. (laughs) (laughs) He put it on and he pulled on his tights and it gave him the world's biggest camel toe. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I actually don't even remember what we ended up going. It'll with. forever live on. Belt situation. <laughs> but forever it lived on. So when it came time to dress him, he'd say to Pam, his dresser, my friend Pam Kiesel, who's awesome, um, who was our like key set person. Because you know, by the way, Elf wasn't a huge budget movie either. It right. was like just left of indie. I mean it was right. a, it was a studio movie ish. But it was indie-ish too. Like we right. didn't 
huge budget. So Pam was my like set supervisor and covered everything, but she also worked with, with Will, but he didn't have like a personal dresser. Pam was the everything. So right. whenever it came time for Pam to dress Will, you know, he'd be like, did you set my on the Atmo? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. That's awesome. You know, speaking of him being hilarious, the backgrounds, the scene where he's in running around New York. I we don't know if that's true. We watched right. we watched a um we watched something on Netflix. Yeah, they asked me to be on that, and and I I feel bad. I said no. I was really busy, and right. I also never know. Like I knew when you guys asked me to do this, it was all going to be like upbeat and like why we love the movie. And sometimes with like reality things like that, I get nervous that they want to like focus on like the two and a half seconds that something negative happened. Right. And make- yeah. I, I declined being on that. And I feel a little bad because it was nice seeing everybody and I saw myself behind the scenes and stuff. Right. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. I was like, um, no, we had definitely had extras. Because <laughs> uh, that is amazing. Okay. So we watched it and actually, however, they- however there, there, we did. Uh, to be fair, sorry, we did also have real people. Like, right. Okay. Okay. They did also plaster, you know, like Times Square, like we're going to be filming here. So if you're here, you're getting filmed. So it was kind of a combo. Okay. okay. So that's so funny because they had so many costume. They they said a lot of things about costumes when we watched it together. And we were like, how is she not a part of this? So I'm really <laughs> glad to hear that you declined because we're like, that's so uncool that they are talking uh, about costumes so much and yeah. they didn't have her We're like, they on. better have asked her because- And I love no, that. They they, okay, not only did they asked me, they aggressively asked me. Okay, okay. It, okay. It, like they actually, because I actually reached out to Fabs and I was like, are you going to be a part of this? Because if you're going to be a part of it, no brainer. I'm 100% on board. But yeah. I'm, my- he, he's my brother from another mother and my right. allegiance is to him. So if there was ever an inkling of a momentary thought that maybe there would be an angle to something to that felt to me, like there wasn't going to be complete positivity surrounding the project. I, I just err on the side of caution. So yeah. um, he wasn't a part of it as you saw. And, um, and they asked my agent a few times and I was like, you know, is there a world where I could like completely only talk about the positivity of it yes is there still a world where depending on who the producers are of the show who I don't have a relationship with they can cut it to make it sound different yeah there is so let's keep it simple positivity that makes so much sense that makes so much and it makes me feel better because we were just kind of like how could they not ask and then that's so funny that you say no there was extras like because (laughs) that's the kind of stuff like people who don't work in film and television they think like because uh, I dress background and I'll tell people what I do. And sometimes and they're, they're like, like they're you like, wait, them? <laughs> those people have costumes. I'm like, what do you, th- what do you think? Yeah, well, also, like, we, we do a medical really show. Lucky. It just happens that every- everybody's got 60 scrubs. people that show up in scrubs, gym shoes, scrubs, <laughs> like, matching. Everybody know. looks yeah. the same. It's like, it's, and oh. then they're like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense that you have to dress the people in the background. Yeah, I totally feel your pain. P.S., exactly, case in point, and you're actually making me feel better because I was feeling a little guilty that I said no to them because it was (laughs) kind of a cute little special. But um, you're making me feel better because you're right. When I saw that part, I was like, what? And (laughs) it is, what it does is it it does. You're right. It, It kind of, it removes the they're trying to simplify it for the audience, which is great. And I get that, but, but it doesn't demystify like the reality of it. It just paints a picture that isn't the truth. And then 
like you said, when you try to explain to people what you do for a job, they don't even know your job exists because right. Right. Because of something like that, because it's like, oh, no one had to get like, look how good it looked when you didn't have a costume. And it's like, like, no, we look at every single person that goes by (laughs) and like, there's a reason for it because they would look, I mean, some of the people would look bonkers if we just let them wear whatever they wanted. Absolutely. Totally. Well then a follow-up question to that is that, is that part true about the guy that looks like Santa walking down the street that he was just there wearing a red suit? I'm going to be super honest with you. When I was watching the special, I was like, by the way, I was watching the special while packing. Um, (laughs) Is that true? And I don't remember. This was a long time ago. I feel like it might have been true. I feel like that might have been true. That's insane. That's like a, yeah. That's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. So definitely interaction that was happening with real people. Yeah. Like there definitely was. They're just also were also extras, right? Yeah, his face, <laughs> his face as he goes around that revolving door brings me such joy. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so we funny! Love that. It's so sweet. funny. In the special, they also said too, like costumes would have been a holdup for the production because of clearance issues. I believe. Yeah, they was- were saying something about clearance issues. Yeah, so the- that's the whole thing that is why I didn't do that special is because there absolutely was a moment on the production where, um, at the ve- from the very start like I was saying a moment ago, when, when, you know, John called me to talk about it, he's like, I want it to feel like the Christmas specials when we were kids, those claymation Christmas specials, you know, right. I want it to be evocative of that feeling, which is why we have the snowman and the narwhal right. and the little wood, you know, the woodland creatures. Um, and so that was right out of the gate, our, you know, our plan and so we were all under the impression since it was our plan that we were cool with it. And then at a certain point, partway through after I had built all of the costumes and they were about to be delivered, there was a scare where it was like, wait a second, we, we don't have a deal with Rankin Bass and we are so heavily influenced by them. So what's the plan? And so John and I had to get on the phone with legal. I mean, I, I actually as always, I always take any situation that's like stressful and right. could be deemed negative and try to seek out the positivity and the silver lining. So I became really close with the lawyer. I joked with them. I was right. like, find credit, you know? So right. we did, we got on the phone and, and, you know, they started out by saying stuff like the elves can't have pointed hats. And I was like, guys, they're elves. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I, like I get it. We need right. to be conscientious. Pointed hats. I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear you say that. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, the, no pointed toes. I'm like again with the elf thing. Yeah. You know. So, but we did. We 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 swiftly shifted gears. And my assistant designer Marcus Henry, who is a god amongst men, <laughs> um, and and to his students who get to have him teach them now costume design. Um, at University of Colorado Boulder, they're so lucky. Um, and then my my supervisor, Nancy Duggan, who's a goddess amongst women, we just hunkered down and pumped out, you know, sketches of different versions of elves um, that had different design elements to them that were enough sort of new and fresh um, in our ideas. Uh, we re-swatched all the fabrics. You know, we we did a lot of our prep in our building in New York because we started shooting there as well. And that's where Marcus was based. And then we did a lot of our shooting um, in Vancouver. And that's mm-hmm. where Nancy was based. 
And at the time that this all went down, we were already in Vancouver. We'd already shot the New York stuff. Um, and so we just snapped into high gear to kind of rejigger stuff and rebuild like 70 suits um, really fast. I was like bringing suits home with me to my hotel room and like puff painting them. Oh like until I fell asleep on top of them. <laughs> um, because the first round of suits were all hand embroidered. Wow. By these little Nona's you know, little Italian mm-hmm. grannies in New York that worked at this specialty shop, Curly Costumes, that um, built our, our elf suits. Uh, and then we shifted gears and we had these wonderful builders in um, Vancouver help us with the second round. And so, you know, it was, it was nuts, right. but it was also just was what it was. Do well, you know right. what I mean? There was something that went down and we Always. Did it, fixed it. And, and then Fab sent us this giant bouquet of flowers to the costume department the morning that we delivered the suits and he said to to santa's real elves you know Aww, that's so cute. and it, it is you know and he and i have spoken about it many times um you know that it ended up being great like so often it's it's really interesting how it's all the mindset right right and so i find that I joke that if anybody isn't good at like shifting gears and rolling with like new information, then they should not be in the film industry. You we know? were just saying that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Especially with our week last week. <gasps> yes. It's Every like, scene you was like, to. we're going to move that to Friday. And then we're going to move this up. And we're like, okay, we, like, you have to go with the flow and no journey from the start to a show. Exactly. What you're saying to the end is, is linear. It's, it's all, not like it's smooth sailing. It is 100%. <laughs> A hundred percent. And here's the thing, like, that's part of why the film industry is doing so well, knock on wood with COVID, because we are geared towards, you know, shifting gears and taking new information in and changing, changing the plan, change, change, you know, like when I got married, I eloped with my husband, I walked into the floral shop and I was like, Hey, I'm getting married tomorrow. Um, I need some flowers. And they're like, what? We wish you had called us, you know? And I was like, guys, guys, chill. Like whatever, <laughs> here. Like that's what I'm gonna use. It's 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 cool, you know. Right. And because film people are like that, we're right. like able to, you know, just like work make, with what you got, and make work. quick decisions. Exactly, work with what you got. And and when it comes to things like notes, for instance, like I actually love. It's part of why I love doing the superhero stuff I'm doing right now. I create this like crazy work of art with my team, and then I get notes, and those notes can be scary because it could be right. like we don't like that custom sculpted element that you spent eight weeks making and like <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars can it be different and like you know your initial reaction is like, like oh really you know but then when you really think it through and you're like well how can it be different and how can I respond to that note in a way that like maybe isn't exactly the note that they gave me but like is the nature of the note so I'm not overcorrecting the note but I'm also giving them what they want and like making sure that they feel honored and valued with their opinion while not killing my team and the budget, right? right? So so oftentimes when that happens, it actually creates something better than what you delivered in the first place anyways, because it's it's a collaborative art form. Yeah. So like getting people's input actually can break you free from a mindset that you were in to create something you wouldn't have thought of anyways. So when that whole thing went down with Yelts, you know, John was like, dare I say, I know it was a pain, you know, paid for you guys and like really hard work to like shift those gears and like recreate all this stuff differently than our original plan. He's like, but dare I say, I prefer it. Like, I'm kind of glad it happened. Right. And, and, you know, me too. I mean, here's, you know, yeah, like we're not in this business for easy. 
If right. we were in this business, we're easy then. Again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's go find right. another job. So yeah. it's trust the process and it always kind of does end up better. Whatever ends up exactly. is usually like what it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, it's and meant to be. And that's talking to you guys about it. All of the things I'm saying to you, you being in the industry and specifically in our field of costume design, you totally get what I'm talking about and you and you understand the sort of excitement that comes with it. Right. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like how you brought it up, how it was depicted in the show where they're like, oh, we almost had to close production. You know, it's like, right. yeah, for like 42 <laughs> seconds until somebody had a conversation with me and I right. made it back. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so dramatic. Yeah. Well, and the fun thing is too, like we'll do scenes where we'll be out in a location and it'll be randomly, there'll be no need for a blood or a, a throw up or something. And you're just... And usually when you have it scripted and you have things ready, I have all the things lined up and then you're out somewhere and they're like, we're going to make her throw up. And you're like, all right, let's go to craft service. You just, work <laughs> right. with it. Yeah. Yeah. So- and you're like, okay. And then like to the viewer, it looks the exact same as if you prepped for it for a week or if you found exactly. it in 30 seconds, right. then the 30, and then to me, I love watching it being like, Ooh, yeah, that was like rice pudding from craft service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's, what's so great about doing this podcast and showing how much work a lot of people have come to us and said, I had no idea how much work goes on behind the scenes of costumes and people, it just shows up on the person's screen. And like we were saying, some people think like, Oh, the actor were their clothes to work or something bonkers. Oh, like I've that. heard that so many times. So like, many times. They don't show up in their just civvies or I'm like, Oh, right. <laughs> right. And there's when they were trying to do the COVID, you know, planning, mm-hmm. just be glad you weren't a part of that. I, I <laughs> For months, I was a part of the, like, how to get safely back to work. And in almost every plan that was put together by, like, people that aren't in costumes, almost every one of them was like, the actor will now have to show up in their own clothing. You know, and it's like, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So how does it feel to have created a costume that is such a big part of not only Christmas culture, but pop culture in general? Because we went to Target and we were getting our Christmas stuff or we were getting our Santa mugs and um, we were looking through all the Christmas stuff and they had like an elf full onesie zip up. They had an elf um, Christmas sweater. Oh, people so, have the, the poster, life-size posters in their windows and stuff. Yes. Like, and it's like your oh, costume have- that you created as now this part of Christmas culture and how does it make you feel when you see that you've had that sort of impact? Uh, That's a really great question. And um, what's sweet about that is that's nice for like my mom, you know, (laughs) (laughs) my mom was at uh, big lots the other day and she's sending me all these pictures of, you know, the uh, wrapping paper and all this stuff. And she's like, my baby created that. (laughs) Oh, and she always answers the phone, buddy or elf. What's buddy? Yeah. What's (laughs) Color, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so like in that way, it's funny. I, um, I don't know how to answer. It sounds so like made up, but it's true. I don't actually know how to answer that for myself because, cause I, I live that feeling through the people in my life, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so what I love about that is how it makes people who are close to me feel excited. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like friends and family, you know, how they're able to be like excited about that. And, right. and actually like last, this time last year, back when we were allowed to like be with people, 
I was in the car with uh, with a, a PA of mine who um, who I love, Sam. She's no longer PA now. She's like running the Marvel um, super suits department. Uh, Get it, you visual yeah, stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she's a badass. But she is great, and and we were in the car, and I think we were leaving this event at UCLA because I try to do a lot of like outreach and mentoring, and my team and I go and and speak to the graduate students at UCLA and um you know work with with them uh when we can and some other you know places as well and and there was a poster and elf was up there and i think i had another one of my i think another one of my oh i think jumanji was also up there and she was like lj what does it feel like to like you know (laughs) have your like work like you know immortalized and and you know it feels good but mostly it feels good through the lens of others, like even how she was so excited in that moment and she was on my team, like that gave her this feeling of like, wow, you know, which is great. And so that's really fun. I will say it it is interesting because when the movie did become such a big hit and, and the swag did start, you know, being created, I actually have like a coffee table book and then this other little book that I bought from a bookstore because I basically partially like illustrated it <laughs> without any credit of course right that's so true it's you know your design you sign right. your design away your design yeah. right right and so I did like all of the all of the embroidery which is all hand done on, on yeah. Bill's um, I hand drew that like I actually did extensive research on various cultures of the world because I wanted the elves to be to be members of the world. Like I wanted, I didn't want them to be any one, you know, kind of people. I wanted them to be representative of all peoples because that is what they should be. And so I took folkloric referential imagery from, you know, all types of cultures. And then I personally took them, distilled them down and hand drew all of the the deer, the snowflakes, the holly, all of the stuff that is the hand embroidered stuff on the trim of his suit and then stuff that I puff painted on the trim of (laughs) suits um, were my hand drawings. And so I opened this book up and I'm like, oh, look, I drew that. Oh, look, I drew that. (laughs) So it was just kind of funny, you know, and in that way, it's like, oh, that's, that's interesting, you know, that like, I never thought about how those things could be then utilized for merchandising and stuff like that. Um, But I will tell you guys this too, that you may not know, and and this is something that might be of interest to you that's elf specific, that's completely tangential um, and different than what we're talking about. But you probably saw how they were talking about, um, how Greg Gardner on DP was talking about Force Perspective on that special. Yes. So Force Perspective was how we made Buddy look so huge and the elves look so small. But what they didn't talk about, because I didn't do the show, was um, that every single adult elf had a child elf uh, version of them. No. So, so we, so whenever we shot, for instance, including pop elf. So whenever we shot, for instance, like Buddy talking to an elf, and the elf's back was to us, we'd have the kid. And then when we flipped it around, and Buddy was talking to the adult elf, we'd have the adult. And Buddy would be here. Up <laughs> <laughs> would be here. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to have a kid version and an adult every, version of every everything. elf. Of every elf. Yep. 
holy costuming. It was so fun though. It was really oh. cute when you'd be on set and you'd have like the adult and the kid and version. The kid. Oh, that's yeah. so cute. It's really important to John. He really, you know, he really didn't want the elves because let's face it, so many Christmas movies, like they have little people come to play the elves mm-hmm. or kids come to play the elves. And he's like, you know, I want it to be just adults, you know, playing the elves, like in a way that felt respectful to, you, right. to uh, you know, not pigeonholing people into, right. you know, and so uh, that's how we did it. That's so cool. But also like, a lot of work, <laughs> a lot but of like, work, but cool. But that's a really cool thing. After watching it, I kept being like, "Jules, force perspective." <laughs> totally. Now you know that other little bit, the additional little. That's cool. That is very cool. That is, and actually, we were going to ask about the force perspective thing because it's really funny too. I feel stupid. I have watched that movie so much, and I I just thought like it was digital or something. Like I had no clue how they made that work. That's not so stupid. I think. That's not stupid at all. Here's the thing. If we had had any other director, it would have been done digitally. Yeah. But John, and this is part of what I love about him, is he is very much invested in only utilizing the resources that we have to achieve what we're looking to achieve if they're ready to be used. So for instance, on Elf, and then subsequently moving forward onto Zathura, which was the next film after Elf, Honestly, like VFX and digital work, like it wasn't quite there yet. Right. You know, like you could tell that it was CGI still back in those days. Right. And I think it makes the movie feel like a big hug. It makes it like, yeah, it makes it warmer and cozier. A different type of authenticity, I guess is the word I want to use, that makes it more special because you did make it work without. Because the f- then, right. then that well, also feels dated too. Soul, you feel yeah, that's exactly. It's, it's a tactile thing. It's like it's like you can say, "Oh, look, look at that. That's real." And back right. then, with the way that CGI was, you just knew you you, you knew you were being duped. You know, right? Yeah, kind of takes on the story right. a little when you're being duped like that. So same thing on Zathura. You know, we had that robot was practical. Like you know, that Zorgon was practical. Um, even on Iron Man, when we moved into that, it was really important to John that we have that suit be built practically so that in those important moments, we saw the actual suit. It wasn't just this, you know, um, digital character. So it wasn't really until technology caught up and he knew that there was now this seamless ability to create something virtual where he started going into the jungle book of it all, where, right. you know, I shared an office with all of the guys who were not all the guys, but with a group of the guys who were building the characters from their spine out, you know, and, and now John has his company Gollum because he's so intrigued by and invested in the forward motion of technology. But back then it was all about doing it practically because yeah. he knew that there was still there was still technology that had to be developed, you know, before it would feel the way he knew it needed to. Right. right. Thank goodness for people like John, because it makes such, makes it awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The keynote. Exactly. Yeah. So much. I, you know, I just watched the finale of The Mandalorian last night and I'm like, I love that I get to be, you know, like an audience member, but I was really sad when I had to say I couldn't do it when they asked me, 
because I'm so busy doing these seven projects that I'm on um, that, you know, I love, but, but collaborating with John has been a highlight in my life, let alone yeah. my career. And so that's definitely something that I miss and that I hope that someday we're able to do again. Yeah. And he's also bit. lucky to have you because you are like so cool and, you're oh. and everything. So I love Thank that team you. so much. So. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, it takes cool. a village and you are it, part of the village. It the, the village is fun though. Yeah. It's, it's a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> Well, LJ, thank you so much. Yeah, this thank you so like much. I know you're busy. Chat. <laughs> yeah, it has been so it has been so informative. So informative. I've learned so much. I love waking up and learning Perfect. things. I did it on my first day of hiatus because I could just like chill. I'm sorry it took me so long to schedule this. Oh, oh no. no. It's actually the timing's Again, perfect. like we said, as things are supposed to work out, they're supposed to work out. And this was perfect. It's right before we're gonna have our Christmas. It's right before Christmas. Yeah. It's the perfect timing. And yeah. we have the tree, we have the whole vibe. Yeah. So <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah well merriest of christmas to you lj you too, and your family stay safe stay yeah you too good what you're doing you too hopefully we'll talk soon yeah thank That's you so good. much thanks. Bye. thank you we all know it's been a tough year for small business that's why each week on our podcast we will be featuring a small business we love for free Speaking of small business, you want to know what small business I love? Anzi Blue. Anzi Blue is a unique coffee shop located in Nashville, Tennessee. In addition to coffee, they also offer CBD, cocktails, a full menu, and plenty of to-go options. You can visit them at their new location in Hillsborough Village. You can also follow them on Instagram at Anzi Blue. And you can order their CBD products online at anziblue.com. We just want to give a special shout out to Sean Schuyler for the music and producing this podcast. Please make sure to rate and subscribe. Also, follow us on Instagram at Lasting Looks Podcast. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Bye, everybody. Hope you like the podcast.